Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome. That sounded weird on my end, but I don't know how it sounded out there in the in the in the wild. Um, hopefully, it sounded okay. I guess maybe. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the H Two O podcast. My name is Jason Hunt, and I am Timothy Harvey. And it seems like maybe both the microphones are working. <laughs> Maybe and perhaps. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, okay. Yes. Um, I. How are you? How are you doing? I'm. I'm exhausted myself, but we're here. I'm, uh, I'm coffee and uh, and not not the good kind, mm. uh, and uh, a little sinusy. Uh-huh. Um, unfortunately, I have coworkers who are positive for COVID, so in an abundance mm. of caution. You know, we don't, we work all work virtually, but one of my coworkers also happens to be my cousin. And not too long ago, I went over and took care of their cats while they were out of town. <laughs> the out of town trip where they discovered on their return that they were positive. Oh, so, by the way. Yeah. Odds are, odds are pretty good that I didn't get it from that. Um, but. And you know what? I haven't had my big, you know, winter cold or really my cold. I actually haven't had a cold this year yeah. of any kind of, I mean, I've had, I've had some sinus crap, but so, yeah, I mean, we're just going to, going to be cautious. You know, I don't, it's the gift you don't necessarily want to, to give. There are better things to give for the holiday season. Right. Um, Although it would be free, um, you know, well, no, no, <laughs> there is a cost. <laughs> it well, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, and frankly, you know, while while I have good good health insurance, I would I'm rather not test the limits of it. Agreed. Agreed. I would uh, I would say that it probably is is one of those things where uh, best to be on the safe side. Right, and you know, like hopefully it'll just turn out to be a cold. Um, mm. Certainly, we have had um, enough enough fun for twenty twenty. Robert says that you're as dead as Star Wars. He needs time to be sad. Hopefully, uh, let let's let's put off any uh, any demise until after episode two fifty. I was gonna say, and then um, although you you might get some definite views, you know, to, <laughs> from beyond the veil. Did you see? I don't know that you saw. There was, um, and this is not related to the topic tonight, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take our digression early. There was apparently someone on YouTube 
who had a wife who was pregnant. And for a $1,000 super chat, he killed her. On the live stream. Live. On the stream. On YouTube. Mindy, run. <laughs> I was like, who does it? Now, I know now, uh, Jeremy Hambly over the quartering, uh, quartering led a campaign against this one guy who was torturing cats. Uh, as as with their his you know he was making videos torturing cats I mean literally just doing really despicable things to them and and there had to be this hue and cry uh, to finally get YouTube to pay attention and say this guy is doing something very 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 terrible do something about his channel and I you know I think eventually he got suspended but then he came back on a different channel. And that works. I hear this story about this guy who actually now see I I would not go that route as far as you know. That's good to know. A super chat for that kind of thing, but I was like a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars, and he kills his wife. I'm just like. But that's but see that's that's where we are. Oh, let's see what's the what's the old. Um, I want to say it was. Oh, see now I can, it might have been Oscar Wilde, where uh, his response was, uh, "We both know what you are. Now we're just negotiating the rates." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's it's crazy stuff. It really is. I'm thinking, you know, just just when I think that my faith in humanity has diminished as much as it can, something else comes along that makes me doubt humanity even more. Oh, yeah. And I tell, I it's just it's just nuts. I, it really is. So, and I think part of it too is I'm I'm. Let's see what is what is Robert saying here? Uh, only get to keep two thirds of that. <laughs> Why didn't he ask for PayPal? Gallows humor. Gallows humor. Actually, YouTube keeps fifty five percent of the super chat. I did the math one time. So, uh, I mean, not even not even worth it. But from various different perspectives, not just the the money aspect of it. But of course, he is in jail, thankfully. Yeah, kids. Um, murder is bad. It is. Uh, let's let's try to keep the murder uh, uh, down. Right? <sighs> what a deal! When, when in doubt, please don't murder people. <laughs> right. This public service announcement brought to you yeah. by. <laughs> Things you I, shouldn't I need, have to tell people. I need that the more you know animation, right? <laughs> you know? You should know. Yeah, right? So anyway, okay. So we are at 248. This is... Uh, we're two away from, from the big one. Um, December 21st will be episode 250. 
Uh, I, we need a we need a topic. We need to figure out a really good topic. So we are taking suggestions for topics. We might do an ask me anything type of thing. Um, the email address here, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. Of course, you can leave super chats and you can do uh, PayPal if you want to send us money, but we're not going to kill anybody. Um, we might kill a topic. We might kill your interest in a topic. That's been known to happen. But, Still. uh, yeah. Anyway, okay, so tonight we are talking about casting. Um... And not in the traditional sense of, oh, I can't believe that person got that job. It's more the um, the idea of actors who have been typecast, actors who get replaced, actors who get miscast. You think, oh, that's totally the wrong person for that role. Uh, and then some fan casting. Uh, I've had the occasion over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been reading Mark Cushman's volumes of These Are the Voyages. I've got these. And it's basically, these are behind-the-scenes uh, documents. Uh, really extensive research. This particular volume alone is on the production of Star Trek The Motion Picture which took gobs amounts of time before they ever started rolling camera because Paramount didn't know what they wanted to do. Uh, it's, a, it's, dare I say, a fascinating read, but it is it actually is because you're looking at this thinking, how in the world are these people running a company? Uh, because... It was a TV show, then it was a movie, then it was back to TV show, then it was going to be a movie that ran on TV, but maybe it'll be theatrical overseas, and now we're going to do it all theatrical, and maybe the theatrical will run into a new TV series. I mean, it was just, it was nuts. The amount of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But there was, there was some stuff in here. Things that got uh, discussed in, I think, volume two talking about the fact that this, many of the supporting cast had trouble after Star Trek finding any work. Uh, you know, DeForest Kelly had a very prolific career, uh, especially in Westerns, prior to Star Trek. And then after that, he was the old country doctor, and he couldn't get, a, he couldn't get roles anywhere anymore. Um, Jimmy Doohan... He would audition for parts, and people would say, well, we don't want a Scotsman. Completely oblivious to the fact that he was affecting an accent. He's from Canada, not Scotland. Um, it's just, there's that. So, you know, George Takei had a little bit easier time of it because he was already doing movies. He was doing the Green Berets, John, John Wayne, he was doing that. And he was also doing politics. So he had other things doing. Walter Koenig, Nichelle Nichols, all of them, they just, they just ran into this. Well, you were on Star Trek and, and, and they don't get any other work. And I, I was thinking about the um, this notion of the stigma, you know, the being typecast, and that got us got me thinking about there was something else. There was another 
there was another something that I ran across last week, I want to say, that had me thinking about this. Oh, the fan casting of Ahsoka Tano. Because there were so many people that were sitting there going, wouldn't it be great if Rosario Dawson played Ahsoka Tano? Before it was actually a thing. This this was a fan casting before it was a real casting, apparently. And and that's where it that's where it originated. And uh, Favreau apparently, you know, Dave Filoni and John Favreau became aware of it. Favreau already had her on a list, I guess. But Filoni ran across it and said, oh, that's not a bad idea. And he went to Favreau and was like, oh, that's not a bad idea. So they started talking to her and he's just like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Let's do it. So this, this started percolating in my head, looking at various different casting scenarios where you have a performer in a role who may or may not be the best fit. So I thought we'd look at that tonight. So there's the, there's the roundabout introduction to our topic. Now I think there's one thing we want to, I, at least I want to make very clear. Sometimes good actors are cast in bad movies it probably didn't look like a bad movie when they were starting out, but it ends up that way. Yeah. For example, Holly Berry, given the right material, is a fantastic actress. <laughs> She's great to watch. But I don't care who you are, you can't salvage Catwoman. No. It's just not a thing you can do. Yeah. Um, so it's not a question of disliking the actor so much as sometimes and I'll, I'll even go this far and this is this is i'm not i'm not sure i 100 percent believe this because there's so many things wrong with it but for all the brouhaha over the initial casting announcements of the actors who are going to be in the most recent and thankfully we're probably going to get a potentially fan cast reboot um, or at least to some indication with the Fantastic Four movie, mm. the actors in that film, I'm not a Miles Teller fan, but everybody else in that film is actually really talented. And if they had had a good script, if they had leaned into the idea of doing um, uh, the uh, ultimate version of Fantastic Four, right? if they had done that, it still might not have worked. But you can look at that cast and go, okay, what if they had a good script? <laughs> what if they had a good director? What if it wasn't the mess that that entire movie was? So are they miscast? I'm sure they think they were sure. <laughs> considering that film, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are miscast. That could have been that those actors in those roles. Um, but that film, you know, that, those are the outliers, right? I mean, there, sure. are, there are very few films that end up looking like that version of Fantastic Four. And we should be thankful for that. Well, and I think the other thing on that, too, is you have this, um, you have this tendency to uh, see somebody, if you've, if you've got, you know, like a, like a comic book character, or somebody who's established. Sure. Uh, if there's a a if there's a particular physicality, 
you know, to that character, they look a certain way, they have a certain look, then when you get an announcement of a casting that maybe is not quite the same, like a, 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 a Middle Eastern Flash Thompson, for example, or a short Michael Keaton as Batman, or, you know, it just... Yeah, it, it was like because that went so smoothly. Everyone was immediately excited and happy about the idea of Michael Keaton playing Batman. Right? I, I but it's it's uh, okay. Well, you get to you know or wait that, and see. Or but that comedy that comedy guy who did the dumb movies, who earlier cast him as Joker. Really? Who are you? T- what? What comedy guy? The whole brouhaha about casting Heath Ledger as oh. the Joker. Was he considered a comedy guy when he was cast in Joker? Yes, he'd been doing, he'd been, he did uh, the, what, the night movie and 10 Things I Hate About You. And um, it's, you know, it, he was very much, I mean, certainly uh, Brokeback Mountain was a thing, but for the majority of the movie going audiences, he was considered, you know, he did rom- he did dumb romantic comedies. Yeah. And I mean, the the backlash on that, was you forget because we remember the performance, we remember what he did with the role, and of course his tragic passing. But the the, the fan reaction at the time, um, you know, and when and that's a situation where you're not you're not even talking about a bad picture, you know, for Suicide Squad popping up mm. uh, with a you know, we're talking about you know, the fan reaction, and of course the internet while it was a thing. And social media and instant feedback was a thing. It wasn't quite the thing that it is at this particular time and place. Right. <laughs> well, and I think the other thing on that too is once I would I would think, and I don't I don't know that we've gotten to that point yet, but there certainly is discussion online whenever somebody gets announced to to fill a part, and there's the initial the the blowback reaction and. You know, there's that certain segment of the of the online population who sits there and goes, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We all said this about Michael Keaton. We all said this about Heath Ledger. Hold on, just give it a second. See what happens." And I think there's a certain amount of history now where we can do that a little bit better and be a little bit well. Some of us can be a little bit more restrained in our reactions right off the bat. There's not going to be that that gut response. I don't, I don't well, know. No, I mean, I, I think I think in fairness, the, the gut response is something that's very very natural. I mean, if you if you have, it's very very easy to think of, especially once those actors are in the role. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering you know you. The idea at one point of Tom Cruise playing Tony Stark. Yeah. That was a real thing. That was a real legitimate. Which still might happen. It, mm, I'd rather not. <laughs> and and part of that is getting into typecasting. Yeah. Some of it is self-typecasting. Tom Cruise always plays Tom Cruise. Yeah. There are exceptions to that. And one of them actually is a the the idea of it being a miscasting was huge at the time, especially from the author. When he did the Vampire Lestat. 
Oh, right. I'm sorry, Interview with the Vampire. Emperor, interview with the Vampire. With the vampire. Um, very few people heard that casting and went, I can see that. And Anne Rice was like screaming from the rooftops, this is bad, don't do this, this is terrible. How could you do this to my book? And then <laughs> he actually turned out to be good in the role. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few roles that he actually wasn't hi there, I'm Tom Cruise. I'm going to run. Yeah. And I'm going to climb up a building. (laughs) There wasn't, that wasn't going on. And it actually turned out to be a very solid adaptation of the book. Now you can argue that there was some miscasting in that film because Antonio Banderas, fantastic looking actor, doesn't look anything like the character in the, as they're described in the book. But it's Antonio Banderas, so audiences sat there and went, that's all right. <laughs> well, and and when he was first, when, when Cruz was first announced for Mission Impossible, and he was, he's, he's playing a new character, so he's not playing somebody that we've already seen before. So there's, a, there's some benefit to that. <laughs> but his boss is Peter Graves' character who turns out to be the bad guy. I'm like, this, that, that to me should have been a different character. Interestingly enough, that is an example of a film series where the movies have actually gotten better, in my opinion. Yeah. The first film, I think, was a sort of the -the run-of-the-mill kind of almost paint-by-numbers spy movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And then leaning into some of the more absurd aspects of it. And by absurd, I don't necessarily mean funny. I mean, okay, what crazy stunt is Tom Cruise going to do in this movie? Actually has benefited it because they've sat there and went, okay, if we're going to have him climbing up the side of the world's tallest building, how do we put the character in that situation? Yeah. And some interesting stuff has come out of that, whether or not, you know. Well, and I think the the detraction of that is you are catering to Tom Cruise as an element. And so now you're watching Tom Cruise hanging onto the side of a C-130 or whatever it was he was doing. And it's Tom Cruise is doing the stunt, and you're sitting there. And the first thing that I'm sitting there thinking is, how in the world any insurance company allowed this to happen? And how any studio said, sure, let's take our multi-million-dollar star and hang him on the outside of an airplane. Fine, let's do it. On that is the thickness of a dictionary. And I, 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 I cannot fathom. That kind of thing. And to hear, you know, the next thing he's going to shoot in space. You know, they're already putting this thing together. And I'm like, who agrees to do that? I mean, I get it. This is going to be the first time ever. So there's that notoriety and you've got bragging rights and whatnot. But at the same time, who does that? (laughs) It's just... Well, actually, at this point, he can probably underwrite his own insurance probably pay it out of his will yeah but see the thing about it is though if something happens to him in the midst of shooting 
then what do you do? Studios have been rolling the dice on that for a long time. Although, long I guess time. it would be easier now because now you've got Reface or the Face app or the whatever. You know, you've got, uh, well, they did it with Paul Walker. Well, they'll just replace they had, him. Just... They had his brother sit in and, and then they just put Paul Walker's face on him just to finish the movie. You know, they did it with, they did it in Rogue One. Let's put Peter Cushing in this brand new movie 20 years after he's dead. You know, it's it's those kind of things. And I have a concern about that. And and it's not really germane to the to the conversation tonight, but this idea that you can put your face on somebody else's stuff. Oh, it's a, it's it's a very bad idea. Scary scary stuff. That it's I, mean, a very bad idea. I mean, you could do it for f- comedic effect, sure. But we already have our doubts and misgivings about what the internet tells us anyway. Doubts? Are we going to go with something as benign as doubts? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't know. No. Well, you know, there's, it's just, there has been a long Ever since CGI rolled around, there's been the discussion of when are we going to stop needing actors. Yeah. And uh, now, that said, uh, remember, of course, that um, Final Fantasy was going to be the film that proved that we don't need actors. Remember the film Final <laughs> Fantasy? Yeah. All CG? I remember. I remember. Yeah. Didn't do the job. No, it did. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is when and and this could go into voice acting as well, when you have because a lot of people, you know, to go back to the Ahsoka Tano uh, topic for a second, a lot of people said Ashley Eckstein is Ahsoka Tano. And when you have basically a recasting, Mm -hmm. you know, you're replacing Ashley with Rosario Dawson. A lot of people were upset with that. Now, but the whole the whole transphobia legal issue battle thing aside, just the idea of somebody else in that part, sure, for a lot of fans was uh, not not cool. Well, you think about it now. You go over to say you know the, the X Men have now joined the MCU. Mm-hmm. And at some point in the future, we're going to get. You know, they're going to be on the screen again. And for a generation of filmgoers, Professor X is Patrick Stewart. And Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. And for another generation of of people, uh, uh, what's-his-name is is Xavier. James McAvoy. Yeah, or or Fassbender or Magneto. You're going the the separation of those characters from those actors, and certainly you know you could argue that the the folks over at the MCU are going to sit there and go, why wouldn't we get McAvoy and Fassbender? They're young enough yet we can we we have years with these people. Mm-hmm. But you look at you know Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, they may not be interested in doing that four or five years down the line, whenever the X Men actually make it to the screen. Yeah. Um, so you know we're going that we're going to see that kind of, of recasting, and of course Hugh Jackman has said that he's not interested in coming back to the role. Um, so, but he's you know, a, he has said that several times. Well, you know he and he and his wife might want to I don't know buy Australia at some point in the future. <laughs> so I'm sure the MCU could probably you know throw enough money at him. Um, but 
you know, so we get to watch some of this stuff happen in real time. And yet, how are you going to get your head around someone else playing Tony Stark? Yeah. Although if Tom Cruise does die in one of his stunts, just take Robert Downey Jr. and drop him over into the <laughs> Mission Impossible. And I'm sure that, you know. Well, the the other part of that, you know, because you talk about Tom Cruise and and watching Tom Cruise is is Tom Cruise. There are other actors that are like that when they get cast into a role. They don't disappear into the role. Samuel L. Jackson, for one. Uh, Will Ferrell. Uh, I would think is another one because Will Ferrell's always playing Will Ferrell. I've only seen Will Ferrell act once. Yeah, and that's a fantastic movie. Yeah, it is. It is. It's great, and, and I always forget the title. Um, Stranger Than Fiction is that what it is? Uh, you uh, know what? Now that you've said that, I'm going to draw a blank. I'm okay. pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. Are you, uh, I'm, yep, Stranger uh, Than Fiction. Yeah. Okay. And he, he's he's absolutely great in that movie. And maybe it's because he, you know, well, and it's the same thing like Jim Carrey when for until the Truman show, everyone looked at Jim Carrey and thought, well, he's that guy from in living color. And he's, you know, he's all these, you know, there's, you know, the mask and, and Ace Ventura, which is, you know, a very specific kind of slapstick in your face comedy. Yeah. And then some comes along with something like the Truman show, which is in many ways, a fantastic science fiction film. Um, and yes, Mindy, uh, Adam Sandler in, in Drunk Punch Love, the only film I actually like him in. Um, the, uh, yeah, The Majestic he, also for Jim Carrey. So he actually Sandler, he's one of those actors. Sandler's okay in, what was that other one, the the stories, the... the <sighs> with the hamster. He's he's the hotel... The hotel. story with the hamster. Um... He he's telling the kids stories and the things happen. Oh uh, oh oh! Uh, um, bedtime stories. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty okay, decent. Okay. But but you know so but he 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 does play a certain kind of role. And so when the, when these actors step out of those roles and show that they can actually do it, it's often really sad when they slide back into what they were playing before. Mm. It's like watching Stallone. In um, Copland, Copland, he's yes. so good in Copland, and he it's is, such he, a surprise casting too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and he looks he looks schlubby, but the power of his performance. I mean, you sit there and go, oh wait, he actually is an actor. Yeah, and and yet you you know if you if you got tired of the Rambo movies or him playing that action hero character that certainly was profitable for him and certainly was good for his career. There's no question about his, you know, the eighties and nineties, you know, that role really played. But then again, his best movies have turned out to be dramas. You look at the first Rocky and Copland and you go, wow. Well, and a lot of people forget that he's, he's a writer as well. Mm -hmm. And, and and there's, that's another example of somebody getting typecast because you've got the Rocky persona Right. As this, you know, dullard who doesn't quite put two and two together in his own life. And a lot of people saw Stallone as Rocky. And some of that comes down to the fact that Stallone has a specific way of speaking. Yeah. That we make here newsflash, I'm sure, to the Internet. Um, people make assumptions 
based on a lot of things that are not necessarily good assumptions to make. How mm-hmm. someone talks, how someone looks, uh, where they're from, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and but 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 we do that, and especially if you are a movie star, if you are up on the big screen, people tend to think that they know you somehow. And that maybe, oh, oh, I saw that on the screen. That's that's who they are. Yeah. Okay. No. That <laughs> acting. Well, and and that goes back to uh, these books about Star Trek, where Nimoy kept running into Mister Spock. Mister Spock oh. is hanging over his shoulder the entire time that he's after Star Trek. Now he went straight from Star Trek to Mission Impossible, and played Paris. So now he's got that going for him. And, of course, Shatner does a lot of guest starring roles in different movies and whatnot. So they were able to kind of break out a little bit of the stereotype of Kirk and Spock. And Nimoy had a pretty good run on stage as well. But at you know, at some point, you either decide, okay, well, I'm going to be Spock the rest of my life, or I'm going to completely walk away for, from it forever. And D. Kelly had the attitude of, well, this is this is my thing, so I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make the best of it and this is gonna be my thing. So, you know, he, he pretty much resigned himself to it from 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 the start. But a lot of a lot of actors don't have that comfort level when it comes to being typecast. I mean, you look at TJ Hooker, for example. TJ Hooker is Jim Kirk on the LAPD. You know, it's it, it. He's not playing a character any different from Kirk. Well, also look and consider at the time the idea of a TV show turning into a movie franchise yeah. that was relevant ten years late, ten years later, let alone you know uh, anything beyond that, just simply wasn't a thing. I yeah. mean, you had you had popular shows, but you know the idea of a TV show becoming a movie or a series of movies. It just wasn't going to happen. Right. What just happened here? I don't know. I've disappeared. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I, I did a thing and I, cl- I clicked a button and then, and then everything disappeared. So all right, it's sorry very dark in here. <sighs> Someone turn the lights back on. Well, on the because we we use Zoom to dial people <laughs> in, and whenever I whenever I have, uh, whenever I have somebody in, I have it full screen, mm-hmm. and it when I do that, it hides the control bar down on the bottom. You know the Windows taskbar, which right. is where my volume control is, and I usually pop that out before we start a show so I can control volume on some different things. And I forgot to do that. And I was like, oh, I need to do that. And so that's why you disappeared. But all is right with the world now. I live in, I live in an old building. Having the lights go out would not be the first time. <laughs> Just make sure that when the lights come back on, there's nobody behind you with a knife. Because we haven't gotten that, that big of a super chat yet. Yeah. So, for the love of God, get it up to a reasonable <laughs> lot of money before I'm killed horribly. I know, right? Right? Come on, people. Uh, well, and we mean, and we need more subscribers too. 
Oh yeah. I mean, you is. know, 1530 is that's, that's you know, not that's, that's not enough people to be murdered horribly for. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, and and you look at, you know, some of the different some of the different stories where people you know, have been replaced. You know, because with Spock, uh, there was the character of Zahn that right. was going to replace Spock, so you're going to have not necessarily a, a new actor playing the same role, but you were going to have a new actor and a new character replacing that that fan favorite. But then you have those situations where you do have somebody get replaced in a part. You know, somebody else is going to be playing the same character. Uh, recently on Supergirl, you've got Erica, Erica Durant replacing Laura Brittani because Laura's going to go off and have a baby. And then she's got stage work and stuff. And so now Supergirl's got a new a, a new mother. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just... She's got a new mother. Right. You know, uh, or, or um, I guess one of the more famous ones is Eric Stoltz getting replaced by Michael J. Fox in right. Back to the Future. And they had shot material with, with Stoltz. He's actually still in the movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's one shot where you see the back of his head. But yeah, that's that's another one of those things. Where, you know, Elizabeth Shue replaces Claudia Wells, and not only is that a recasting, but I would say that's also a miscast because Elizabeth Shue is much more talented than that role let her be, mm. and the character. The character, the character got treated fine in the first movie. I mean, she's incidental to the story, but she's she's you know that relationship is a motivating thing. I've got to get back to 1985. I've got a girlfriend. You know, that's it. Right. Sure. And then, like Zemeckis and Gail have both said, if we knew we we're going to make a second one, we wouldn't have put the girl in the car, because now you have to deal with the girl in the car and. Right. I just I I I watch Elizabeth Shue in that part and I think what a waste because yeah. her her story is we have to do this to get we have to do this to be able to do that and she just doesn't fit and it yeah, bugs me like every her. time I look at that I'm like she's just not the right one. And I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, you, you accept Claudia Wells as Jennifer. And so you expect Claudia Wells to be Jennifer again. And then she's not. But the other thing that bugs me about that is that Elizabeth shoes hair is 40 miles wide. And it just doesn't fit her face. Right. I don't know. It's it's a little thing. It's a little tiny niggling thing. But I look at it and I'm just like she just doesn't look right. I don't know. It just uh, it just oh, and, feels and off. This, to some folks, that just went completely by them. And some folks, you know, it, it becomes a thing that you just can't let go of. Yeah. Um, I think that you end up. Sometimes you can end up with 
actors who don't fit into a role and it's obvious they shouldn't be in that role because it's it's maybe it's stunt casting or or it's a passion project for them mm-hmm. yeah. you know sometimes you know not, we don't really really talented actors can sometimes make wrong choices if they have control um an example of this would be say daredevil um <laughs> where you know ben affleck is a huge comic book fan that's great and he wanted to play a superhero that's great and daredevil is two really talented people because I'd argue that Affleck is a talented guy. Um, him Mostly, and Jennifer yeah. Gardner. And yet, you know, now Michael Clark Duncan in that film. Yes. Uh, I could buy him as Kingpin. Yeah. Yes. No problem. But, um, you know, frankly, Ben Affleck. And, and I would argue that while there are, I have real problems with both um Batman versus Superman in Justice League in Batman versus Superman there were moments when I was fine with Affleck playing Batman. Oh, I thought he did fine as Batman. Of course, you have again the blowback, you know, Affleck playing Batman. It's just I just just, just that's not going to work. Um but he does he does do fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um and he one one thing that I noticed that that he brings to the part in in his performance is a certain amount of sardonic wit mm-hmm. in which in, in by which I mean he's you know that whole thing you know what's your superpower I'm rich right it's just a real quick little brief glimpse into Bruce Wayne understanding the absurdity of it all. You know, he's like, I'm rich. I can do all of this stuff because I have the resources. And, you know, he recognizes that it's, this is, this is how it is. It's crazy, right? You know, and, and you get, you get little brief glimpses of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his his uh, his chemistry with with Jeremy Irons is is pretty good too. Oh, you know, because no, they there's... both have that world weary. I'm so tired of doing this stuff, right. and some of that could be Affleck not wanting to do this anymore. You know, he could it could be he's like you know it's such a miserable experience according to reports with Joss Whedon on the set. We don't know any of that to be true. We right. just know that there are allegations. But if it was a miserable set, sometimes that comes through in the performances. Oh, there's, there's no question. There's no question. And you can, in the reverse, of course, is obviously true. You can watch a very, very bad movie and just tell that the actors are having a wonderful time. Yeah. And it makes the film a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's some... There's some films I really, really enjoy. It's like this is not good, but oh, you can tell that in between takes, they're just they're they're lying on the ground laughing so hard. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we should do a show about this is a terrible movie that I love. Well, um, and and even then, I mean, you know, Star Trek: The Motion Picture is a good example where you have you have the chemistry of the original cast. You have Robert Wise coming in saying, "I don't know beans about Star Trek. I, I I need to I need to bone up and watch some episodes and and do my homework." But you have on set the cast 
already has that has that dynamic and has that chemistry. Right. Mm-hmm. And apparently when they shot the the epilogue at the end, you know, the end of the movie after everything's over and the oh, it's been a long time since I've delivered a baby and da 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 and you know, Scotty says, Mr. Spock, we can have you on Vulcan in, in three weeks. And Spock says, oh, well, if Dr. McCoy's gonna stay here, then my presence is absolutely necessary. And everybody just broke up. Yeah. But it didn't make it into the film. But it was classic Spock-McCoy banter that you right. would expect from the TV show. So it's those kind of things where you have just the right cast. And Star Trek had just the right cast. The original. Yeah. I would argue that there are some in the, in the later series that maybe you might want to rethink. But they did, they did, by and large, they did fairly well with their casting. But that original, that original chemistry with those, those seven actors was gold and well, you, can, you know it's lightning in a bottle how, well yeah and and it's actually fairly rare yeah you know, there's the chances for star trek to not have been a successful series um were huge and and there were plenty of science fiction series that were on tv for a year or two years and then they were gone yeah. however you feel about discovery and some fans love it and some fans don't uh, they seem to have done extremely well with the casting of two characters that have could have gone really, really wrong for them. And it was a, you know, again, wh- however your mileage runs with this, but, you know, they, I, an actor stepped in to play Spock. Yeah. And it wasn't in a big budget feature film where you've recast everybody. It's, uh, you know, which is, you know, However you feel about the the movie Star Trek, they did a pretty good job with the casting. It took them three films to get it to the, the chemistry to work right for the actors to, I think, inhabit those roles. By that point, you may have checked out. Yeah. But the Anson Mount as Christopher Pike was inspired casting. I, I hear really good things about it. I still have not sat and watched... Well, and, and, and again, if it's on, but... it doesn't appeal, but Ethan Peck, and this was, you could just tell from this, the interviews that he was talking about before anybody saw an episode, he's like, oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of the show. Yeah. This is, I'm a huge fan of Leonard Nimoy, and this is just terrifying. But Nimoy's family actually sat there and went, he's going to do great. Yeah. And overall, I think that a lot of fans really embraced his performance. That's a tough thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think the biggest thing, and and having not seen his performance outside of just clips, I can't speak to him as Spock, but the wig has to go. It's a terrible wig. It reminds me of the Beatles wig that Walter Koenig had to wear the first season of Star Trek he was on. Not Beatles, Monkeys. Because, you know, yeah. they were doing the whole Davy Jones thing. And right. the first year he was on in season two, he had to wear this mop of a wig right. until his hair grew out so he looked like Davy Jones. And it's a uh, terrible wig. And Ethan Peck has got this same problem. It's helmet hair. I'm like, are really? That's not your real hair. Right. That I doesn't even look like hair. Now, of course, since it's getting its own, that, you know that crew, that Enterprise crew is getting their own spinoff, 
Um, I'm sure that when they actually comes time for that show to hit the air, they'll have figured out the whole hair thing. Considering the I majority of the time so. he was actually on camera, yeah. it was a completely different look. It was it was Spock as you know the. It was a lot closer to what we got at the beginning of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Uh, Spock is the, you know, the reserved, cold. Well, the the wanderer, the one because yeah. he they he's long hair and a beard. Uh, and again, it, but it came down to the performance, which I think they actually did a really good job. Now you look at something like Batman and the vast number of people who have played that role. George Clooney will always say that this is my fault. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll take the blame for the death of the franchise. <laughs> but imagine if you had Clooney in a serious Batman movie. Yeah. And I think he did worked? fine. I think he did OK. I think I think that, you know, like we've seen in the worse. in the documentaries and the various different interviews across time that we've run across with this. That particular movie clearly shows signs of studio interference Oh, no and marketing people and the, the merchandising folks and, Hey, let's sell toys. And it turned right. into this ugly, terrible thing. But I think Clooney Clooney did okay uh, for what he was doing. So yeah, the casting on that, not bad, oh. but, but yeah. now, pulling out of that same thing the same batman films as much as we talked about jim carrey doing great work other places jim carrey and tommy lee jones should never have been cast no. as the riddler in two things no they no. i mean see tommy I... lee jones is a wonderful wonderful actor but and i know it's funny how many people get upset about about flipping races but everybody wanted billy d williams mm-hmm. to be two-face well, because it was such a unique idea. Yeah, and, and now, quite frankly, see, nowadays though, the whole gender flip, race flip, is as much a political decision as it is a, a, a story decision. Well, but, and it can be, and the but cynicism of society being what it is, social media, we're always going to assume because it's become that that's become a thing. Well, is it's, it's we're going to make this what, character black just to make them black? And, well, how does that? How does that? How does that affect the char- the character? What does that do for the story? Well, but even that aside, he would have been infinitely better in the role. Tommy Lee Jones is not the guy. No, let me rephrase no. that. Let me rephrase it. Tommy Lee Jones could have been if they hadn't basically been having Two-Face be, be Joker Mark II. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was too was manic. Yeah. yeah, and if they had, if they had actually made him more in line with the more tightly contained Tommy Lee Jones roles. That would have been one thing. So, but it's still a miscasting and Jim Carrey again at the time. Well, too big, too broad. Yeah. And it didn't help that they didn't like each other. Tommy Lee Jones hated (laughs) Carrey. And (laughs) no, that was a bad situation. See, now I could see Jim Carrey as plastic man. I could see Jim Carrey as the Joker now, or as, 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 the Riddler now. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I can see him an as... older version of the character, but yeah. I think that because we've seen him do evil, we've seen him do calculating. We've seen yeah. him do control uh, at the time. That's not what they wanted, but, but I could see him as plastic man, except 
the Plastic Man movie we're getting is going to have a female lead, so I don't know how they're going to do that. Well, but again, that, that look- goes back to that whole: is it a story-driven decision or is it political culture decision? I mean, well, it also it could also come down to this is how we're going to get the film made. Yeah, but it's been in development hell for. But, but well, it's only it's only been in development for a couple of years. This no, this current plastic, well the current man one. movies have been well yeah the current one maybe but if you're going to do a plastic man movie your lead is probably should be <laughs> plastic man and, and that could be that could be know. the joke which could tell you that there could be a problem with the premise because we almost got a green lantern movie with jack black well yeah there is that now see and, and that's did, another that's another miscasting ryan reynolds is hal jordan Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. Is Terrible that we got was also miscast. Yeah. And and to be honest, um, and, and and what's her name? Uh, 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 Blake Lively Blake as Lively. as uh, Carol Fenners. Carol. Yes. Ugh. Well, and and quite frankly, uh, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. You think in in Wolverine Origins? Oh yes, yes. he's miscast. Yes. Even well, though he has, even he has five minutes of dialogue, he has five minutes oh. of, of the character. But how did what ha- what happened there? Uh, that was a small kitten hitting uh, <laughs> the volume button. Uh, I've got I've got YouTube up so I can see the uh, ah. the comments, and and she decided to put her foot on the keyboard. Yes. but yeah, it's it's um, you know, and it's an infamous scene, and of course the. The whole thing was they said you're either going to be in the movie or you don't ever get to play Deadpool again. And he took the deal and you would. And so now we have two Deadpool movies that were that are fan favorites. But I mean, he's he is miscast in that first film. And quite frankly, uh, every actor except physically David Prowse and uh, as Darth Vader. There has never nobody else playing that part in live action. Well, we didn't need a we didn't need a Darth Vader origin story. So no offense to Jake Lloyd and and I'm drawing I'm drawing a blank. Hayden That's, Christensen. Hayden Christensen. And the thing is that Hayden Christensen showed that he actually could act in other things. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes it's sometimes the miscasting comes down to. Well, let's face it, it's this may come as a shock, folks. Lucas does not write good dialogue. <laughs> uh, and there more than one more than one actor starring in one of his films has pointed this out. Yeah. Um, great idea guy, but dialogue stuff. But you know, you you and I uh, both have fondnesses and criticisms for Superman returns. It's certainly to some degree, I mean Yes, but Kate Bosworth oh. as Lois Lane is—that is one of the worst miscastings in, especially in a superhero film. But she, she's, just, she's just too young. She's too young, and the edge, and some of this comes out of growing up with the Superman films and Superman, you know, the first two Superman films with Christopher Reeve, we, there's, there's an imprint there. Let's be fair. Let's be honest. Yep. But well, and also Noel Neal. 
Well, yeah, from, but from Margot Kidder gave us such a, such an iconic version of the character that even if you were a comic book fan, you had that in your head. Mm-hmm. And for all the fact that Kate Bosworth has been good in other things, this was not the role. Yeah. And well, yeah, and I, I'm I'm looking at her the entire time, thinking this this child doesn't have the presence on screen to sell the fact that she's got a Pulitzer and she's this world weary traveling, you know, award winning investigative reporter. I'm, I'm looking at this whole thing. I'm thinking Kate Bosworth just does not have the chops for this role. And to be, to be fair, Brandon Routh was a little young for it too. But I would, I would agree with that. He he gave us Christopher Reeve light enough that I think everybody just kind of overlooked that part and went, "Yeah, okay, I can buy him as the as the part because he did such a good job." It was a fan film. Uh, he didn't get a proper script, but he, he he did really well with what he got. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of people were surprised. I still, I still like that that airplane rescue out of that. Oh, movie. It's, 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 it's a fantastic, fantastic piece. Now, of course, Christopher Reeve, of course, tended actually got typecast as Superman. Yes. And one of the films that he picked up to do after Superman was Death Trap with Michael Caine. Yep, which is a Okay, there was a remake. The remake has a fantastic cast. I recommend watching the original. When did they make a remake? Oh, God, it's 10 years ago or something. Really? Yeah. Uh, But, and Michael Caine is in it. Um, (laughs) He's in both of them? Yeah, he plays. uh, They flipped flipped the roles. Anyway, um, anyhow. It's it's a really fantastic film, and it's very much against type. He was again showing that you know he was an actor, but we all had Superman imprinted upon us. That's mm-hmm. it was so hard to shake that off. Um, and in between Superman one and two, he did some. Was it was it? I think it was in between the two films. Somewhere in time came out. Yes, I think so. Um, and but but still, um, and then of course. You know, you get later in his career, uh, of course, Remains of the Day, um, Noises Off, which is a funny, funny film. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, that was a role that car- he carried with him his entire life. Um, and then sometimes you have somebody like Keanu Reeves, who, because of the roles that he played early in his career, we all think of him as the whoa guy Mm, yeah even so much so that in the film that basically you know the matrix which was a huge huge thing at the time there's a scene where he says whoa you know but but you cannot get around the two films was it it much ado about nothing and dracula where uh for all the fact that the the John Wick films, it's fantastic to see him having a resurgence and and you know success with these films. 
but he can't do accents for anything. <laughs> and he Dracula is just painful to watch him. And at least in he doesn't have that much screen time and much ado about nothing. Right. Uh, and that's a that's a film that's full of of stunt casting. And it's aware of it. It's it's cleanly, you know, let's put us let's fill a Shakespeare movie with Yeah. All the big stars. Well, it's it's like it's you know, it's like any of the airplane or the disaster movies of the time, you know, right. or, you know, the 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 Poseidon Adventure or Airport seventy seven or you know, the towering inferno. You've got everybody in it. And actually, quite if you if you have not seen Much Ado About Nothing, um, Kenneth Branagh's version, uh, I recommend it. It's it's worth the price of admission just to watch Michael Keaton chew the scenery. Yeah, well, and Kenneth Kenneth Branagh is another one of those where you know he tries to do other things outside of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and it doesn't do very well because Kenneth Branagh is a Shakespearean actor. Well, it depends if you go big and operatic you end up with a film like frankenstein where the critics weren't exactly fans but it did well mm-hmm. and then you try and do something edgy in a film that isn't edgy and you end up with wild wild west <laughs> which yeah i i will uh, it pains me pains me to think that Kevin Klein, Kenneth Branagh, and Will Smith are all in a movie together, and that's what we got. <laughs> right? The giant wow. mechanic. Well, and I saw, I read a story, oh, and I can't remember where I saw this, but apparently the mechanical spider has its origins in another script that got rejected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a Kevin Smith Superman script. Yes, uh, that's been, what it was. Okay. If you get a chance to watch uh, An Evening with Kevin Smith, I think it was the first one of those specials, but it might be, might be the second one, mm. where he tells that story about getting in there with Peters and trying to, and basically saying, okay, here it is, and him going, no, 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 no. I'm going to fight a polar bear. What? Giant mechanical spider. What? Yeah. And, he's, and he didn't get the job. And he's like, all right, I'm fine with not getting the job. Yeah. And then, of course, Wild Wild West comes out and he goes, oh, look, he got his giant mechanical spider. Good for him. And it's a terrible effect. At that point, there are so many bad things about that movie that the terrible effect doesn't actually stand out. Well, see, and I haven't seen the entire film myself. I will admit uh, I have I have. I have had it on my list of things I should probably watch just so I know what I'm talking about. Okay. The only reason to watch that film, there is one reason to watch that film, Sal- and it is a bad Sal- reason. It's Salma Hayek. There's two reasons to watch that film. <laughs> the non-Salma Hayek reason is to watch literally horrible, horrible cruel dialogue being thrown back and forth between a Shakespearean actor and one of the most popular film stars of the era in a scene where Kenneth Branagh's evil Dr. Loveless Mm. is being incredibly racist. 
to the black character in front of him. Right. And Will Smith is making extremely in poor taste jokes about height for a character and and disability to a character in a wheelchair. Right. None of this is funny. But I tell you what, it's fascinating to watch because it's so terrible and they are trying so hard to make it work <laughs> that you could almost see blood vessels bursting inside their heads as they try and make this terrible dialogue functional. Yeah. And it becomes entertaining in a what is happening kind of way. <laughs> Because you can't believe you're hearing these things from these actors. Well, and I can so I can imagine the kind of conversations that they would have had in between takes. You know? Oh, I can. Yeah, I am sure that they were like, okay, how much are you getting paid for this? Okay, good. I'm glad you're getting out. I'm making less. You're Will Smith. You're a bigger star than I am. I completely understand that. But good God. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a terrible, ter it's a painful scene to watch. Well, and I mean, it's not Catwoman painful. It's a different kind of pain. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and it's there are there are movies. I maybe maybe we should do that as a topic one time. Movies that are painful to watch, but you probably should just because. Mm, see, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that you should watch Wild Wild West. You should watch the original show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, you know, no question about that. But there, you there should are... watch the Clayton Moore Lone Ranger and avoid the one with Johnny Depp in it. Oh, no question. Like no question. The plague. Well, see, and that's another guy. You know, Johnny Depp always plays Johnny Depp now. Which Johnny is... Depp doesn't disappear into the role anymore. He's just he's just Johnny Depp. And the thing is, is that there was a time when he did. Yeah, Benny and June is a very good film. I love that. That's actually probably my favorite film in it. Nick of time uh, with Christopher Walken as the villain. It's it's kind of billed as an in real time movie. It's mm -hmm. not, but it's close. Yeah, but he's really quite good in it. And he's had roles that where he's been, you know, uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. I mean, he's he's ha he obviously has the ability, and certainly even his early stuff with Tim Burton, Edward Scissorhands is a pretty impressive film. He does a fantastic job in it, and of course, you know he dies well in his first screen role. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, at this point he's become very much it, and and in this film starring Johnny Depp, it's Johnny Depp as Johnny Depp. Yeah. Hey, did we tell you Johnny Depp's in this movie? And he's playing Johnny Depp. Well, that's good to know because you know I hear he does Johnny Depp really well. Yeah, who who would you cast? Oh, what's the what's the project that's coming up? Um, I don't know. Narrow it down. <laughs> John Stewart, Green Lantern. Because we're getting, we're getting, we've just got, you know, uh, Comic-Con Experience in Sao Paulo. We had some new announcements of the DC Comics creative teams. And I guess apparently, I've got to, I've got to look into this, but apparently the next Green Lantern story is going to focus on Jon Stewart. And the guy writing it apparently has already drawn fire for saying that Hal Jordan is boring cardboard. And... 
I think I think if you're the, the problem with Hal Jordan is that if you are you really have to lean into that character in a way that I think some authors some writers just don't find interesting. Yeah. Because you hear you hear writers sit there and say the concept, you know, the idea of writing for Superman is boring. All right, because he's got all this power and he's the boy, big boy scout and all these things. And I I think that more often than not they're just not thinking of a cool way to tell that story. Yeah. But uh you know, I don't know. I don't know because I've been th- we've we've talked about this before, you know, as much as we'd love to, you know, get John Diggle finally to actually be Green Lantern. Uh, uh, on... Well, it, and we had on Good Morning Wilterverse that he's going to right. have this mystery role as part of Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, he's going to play Diggle on the other four appearances which that he's would, got. Which would be fantastic. I would love to see him actually get a chance to do that. And now, of course, that's on the small screen. And, sure. and you it's could argue CW. that that's not what, you know. But um, uh, I don't know. I mean, 10 years ago, um, if you'd put Idris Elba in there, because mm-hmm. um, A, he could do an American accent just fine, and I think it would have been... You I'm, know... I think he's a little old for the part now. You know who could have done it back in the day? Jim Brown. But we're talking... We're back in the 70s. Yeah, we're, to, and we're also... And potentially you could do... Well, considering the, how the character was being written in the 70s. He kind of um, looks that way. He kind of looks well, like and, him. And you could actually see... Because there's, there there's an anger to... And that's one of the things that makes John Stewart interesting. Is that John... There's an anger inside John Stewart. Yeah. And, and with the right writers, that's been a very interesting thing to do with the character because it also balances with the tragedy and, and some of the, the conflict the character has internally. Um, but in the 70s? No, I think that would be an excellent choice. I mean, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, gosh, I just don't know. Chiwetel Ejiofor? Maybe? Maybe. Uh, um, I think that he'd, he'd be, a, he's not the look you necessarily think of for John Stewart. He's not as big as, as a lot of people think of John Stewart as, a, as being a fairly physically imposing person. Um, but he could, I think he's got the, he's certainly got the range and it would be cool to see him do something more with a superhero role than sort of the side role that Baron Mordo. Right. going to be for the, although the, that's a setup for him to become the villain. So right. he's going to get a bigger part later. So yeah, potentially. But it would be it'd be cool to see him get to play a what do you, hero. What he do does you think? Now, as well. I know Will Smith is already in the Suicide Squad and all of that, but he probably you know he he could have maybe been a decent John Stewart. Maybe. Well, I I think he could still be, but the problem is is that I think that there would be a tendency. To for folks to lean into, so Will Smith, you, you make him a wisecracking character, mm-hmm. or you make him, you know, in some of the serious roles he played, it, they're like super serious. Yeah, and John Stewart, it's got a very dry be, sense of humor. You have to have a blend of those two yeah. that really works, and I think that 
no, and, and I would love to be wrong, by the way, uh, but I think that the tendency for a director is going to be to push Will Smith one way or the other instead of trying to inhabit a medium, a nice right. little place in the middle. And I'd love to be proven wrong. I think I think he could play the part. Um, I think that... Uh, I'd almost want to see somebody we haven't seen before. Like cast an unknown? Um, or at least somebody, maybe a, a character actor who, you know, somebody who's, who's done the work and things like that. Because you want you want a character probably, I think you'd want a character in their 30s, an actor in their 30s or 40s sure. who could, yeah. you know. Um, I think that it's one thing to show, and I don't want this, by the way, it's one thing to do a Hal Jordan origin story movie. Please mm-hmm. don't do this. Um, because. Technically, we've technically, we've already got it. Yeah, well, we do. But there's something more, I think there's something more interesting about having an older actor in, because it also fits in in the cultural vision that a lot of people have of Jon Stewart. If you know him from the comics, you know the history. Mm -hmm. But if you only know him from the cartoon, you know this, you know, Obviously, a guy in his 30s with this, you know, very in control, a, you know, very strong character. Um, and I think that for that film to be successful for a film that is not Hal Jordan's Green Lantern to be successful or a TV show or however they're going to do it, you want to have that kind of presence. Yeah. You can do a flashback where you show something when he was younger, but give us that commanding presence. I think that's going to be the way to go. Yeah. Um, uh, Maybe was it Michael B. Jordan? Maybe. Mm, I, if, I, I, I honestly know. want him to get older to play the part. Yeah. I mean, give me, give me, give me, have, give him that role in ten years on the big screen, and I'll be like, all right, sure. Yeah. He's a little young for it right now. I think biggest biggest miscast in your mind. The the biggest. So it kind of depends. I mean, because you can have, and again, this comes back to really, really great actors in bad roles. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar Isaac in X Men uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse, yeah. He's he's a great actor, but here here's a newsflash, folks. Oscar Isaac is my height. <laughs> all right, I'm five foot nine. All right, you don't put the short actor around the t- underneath the tall people and the goofy, you know. But certainly, it's not him. He's not the worst. Um, I don't know. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal in Steel. Really? <laughs> I thought that was it. Was that wasn't bad for what it was? Okay, but the qualifier there is for what it was and what it was at the not time, at the time. It was what it was because of how all of the, the licensing and the rights and stuff happened because they couldn't that use Superman. That they, doesn't make it a good movie. Well, no, it and, doesn't make it a good movie. And but Shaquille O'Neal is not an actor. But it's okay for what it was. I mean, well, it, it was a it was a good effort. It it, it, it was, was a an good effort. effort. It was an effort to watch. And it. if they had been able, if they had been able to inhabit the world of Superman and make it as a DC comics movie that would have added to it. I think, I think part of the restraining 
bits that said you can't be in Metropolis, uh, you know, diminished some of that. But because they have to make up a whole new origin for him because. Yeah, he's he's not good in that role. Um, He's probably not the worst of all possible people. It's it's (laughs) tough. It's it's really tough because there's 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 not a whole lot of people you could cast as John Heron and John Henry Irons, though. Well, see, that's actually one where you uh, bring in Idris Elba and let him be an older character. And I think that would actually work really well. Um, Edward Furlong in the third Crow movie Mm. might be up there. Yeah. And the problem with the problem is, is, and this is okay. This is a problem with this series and why, you know, remaking the Crow has been such a thing is when you have an iconic role, with the first film and of course, you know, a really, you know, a, a breakthrough star performance from an actor who then dead. Yeah. No matter what you follow that up with, it's got a tough comparison route. But at that point, I mean, the third, by the time the third film rolled around, was it the third film or the fourth film? You lose track after two. Mm. Um, and, uh, but Edward Furlong is just not, I, 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 yeah, a spirit of vengeance. <laughs> he is not. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a tie. Uh, Halle Berry is Catwoman, and uh, and Kate Bosworth is Lois Lane. They're, yeah, those they're two pretty... are terrible casting decisions. So, yeah, they're they're unfortunate. It's unfortunate because you know, again, when you're an actor and you sign up for this job, you know. You hope for the best, but right, and and you have so little actual control. Yeah, and quite frankly, you know, you can just imagine that Kate Bosworth going, "I get to play Lois Lane." (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, what are you gonna do? Okay, well, we will leave that there. I've got an idea for a topic for next week: Um, the death of the movie theaters. I think I think the stuff that's going on now because. We, we had already decided on this topic for tonight, and then everything blew up with the whole Warner Brothers HBO Max decision and all of that, that that's rolling out. But now we're getting the fallout where Legendary is threatening legal action and AMC Theaters is not happy and Christopher Nolan is not happy. Now you're getting all of the blowback. So I think, I think it's a good idea. We, we let this play out for a week or so. And then maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, we come back and we talk about the Warner Media decision and I'm, and look at the implications of that because that's going to be either the most brilliant decision that Warner Media has ever made, or it's going to be a disaster. I I am really interested to see where we are a week from now because I think it is neither the most brilliant decision Warner Media has ever made, nor is it a disaster. I don't think it's a very smart idea. Uh, I, think I think it's going to have a lot of negative impact uh, down the line in in, in the the in the industry overall, uh, but certainly to movie theaters. So yeah, I think uh, I think we'll we'll visit that topic next week. See how quite. that goes. All right, and then tomorrow, of course, we've got a brand new Salacious Crimes with the latest Star Wars news that's coming at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, live here on the channel. And uh, we'll have uh, Good Morning Multiverse on Saturday at the new time, 
10 a.m. Central. Uh, we're an hour later. And then uh, we just dropped a new tartar sauce uh, this past uh, week uh, on Friday. And on, on this coming Saturday, we'll have a new foreign bodies. So we're staying busy. So, all right. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks very much, all of you participating in the chat with your comments. If you have comments uh, outside of the live broadcast, you can send those either in a comment on the video or on the podcast. Or you can send us an email, h2o at sci-fi.com. And we will be back next week, assuming that we're not dead. Assuming. Assuming. All right. Thanks for being here, folks. Good night, guys. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.